Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. What? Well, you know, the important thing about growing older and getting wiser is learning when you shouldn't make a what's xing my wise joke about a series of profoundly horrific crimes against humanity. And I I've grown as a person. So we're just going to go into the episode and not think at all about what it is I was (laughs) going to say before I stopped myself and narrowly avoided cancellation. This is Behind the Bastards, a podcast about the worst people in all of history, of whom I would have been one had I completed the sentence that this introduction was meant to be initially as it was originally planned. But I didn't, so you motherfuckers can't cancel me. That's right. I'm going to go... Unfortunately, unfortunately, this also means that you will never be installed as 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 the leader of a country by the CIA. I don't don't say never. Don't say never. You never like what do, what do you 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 I mean anybody look a man can dream. Christopher <laughs> We're talking more about Manchuria today. We just went through a lot of war crimes. Uh where are where are we where are we where what do you 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 where what do you wear? Where what? Where what? Is it time? Where is what? It, is it time for the reckoning, as you titled? Yeah, it is. Yeah, Tisha should do the reckoning. Fuck yeah, spicy. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. So we we are back in Japan. We are back in 1945, and we are back in. Well, I guess we are back in. We are back in the U.S. occupation. And okay, no, I I think a, a pretty natural reaction to to seeing the U, uh, the the words a US military occupation is to assume as going to go badly and it is but it actually didn't start out that way and it didn't start out that way because the first phase of of the, the sort of Japanese occupation by the US is run by a bunch of new dealers and these guys looked at Japan and were like okay so what if instead of fascism we did the new deal and so they mm-hmm. do a bunch of stuff that's like really leftist like like for example, the the big one that you could never do in the U.S. Uh, they do this huge land reform package where they, they force all the landlords who own a certain amount of land to like sell it to their tenants. And you know, and so there 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 there's like there's like two years, you know, about 1945, 1947, where you know the U.S. like is actually kind of trying to make Japan like mm-hmm. better and more democratic and less shit. But all of that comes to an end in 1947, basically as a result of the Cold War, and. This this is called the reverse course, and, and it signifies basically when American business interests like take control of 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 Japan. And you mm-hmm. know, like in 1950, they they do this thing called the Red Purge, where they they like they they just they do these mass firing of like suspected communists and just mm-hmm. like 
yeah, and anyone who's sort of like vaguely associated with the left just like get fired from their jobs, both in the government and the private sector. This is this is coordinated. Like, and if I'm not mistaken, authority. this is kind of around the time when there's also a lot of protests against the American occupiers because a bunch of GIs are are raping ladies. Yeah, uh, that's, which is like yeah. another major thing that's that that drives a lot of like the 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 early protests um, yep. post war in Japan. Yeah, they're also just like shooting people, and we'll we'll get mm-hmm. more into soldiers just randomly murdering people. Excellent. Um, but, you know, I guess actually speaking of soldiers randomly murdering people. So one of the reasons why fascism is never really sort of like crushed in Japan is that the head of uh, G2, which is the Army's intelligence section, is also a fascist. And, you know, oh, this, no, this is no way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I said, like, this is not me calling Charles A. Willer be a fascist. Though, like this guy is going to go on to become like Franco's promoter in Europe. Like MacArthur <laughs> calls him a fascist. Wow. MacArthur, yeah, like, <laughs> the guy who suggested nuking cities in China yep. to win the Korean War. If that dude calls you a fascist, yeah. you're probably pretty fucking fashy. You know, and, and, and this is a big issue because Willerby's job, like the, the actual job he is there to do is to like just completely obliterate the rest of Jap- the Japanese fascist organizations and Japanese fascist societies. And what he does instead is he used the G2's counterintelligence corps to do union busting and staging false flag attacks and blaming them on the Socialist Party. And cool. he does he does one other thing that's both incredibly important to this story and important to Japanese history. Uh, he decides he wants to start negotiating with the Yakuza in order to sort of like use them as a weapon against the left. And in order to oh, do rad. this, yeah, it's great. It's great. You can, you can see where this is going. Uh, he, 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 he goes I mean, to, versions of this happen in Italy with the mafia oh, yeah. too, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think, yeah, I, I, you know, the Italian mafia is interesting because every once in a while they like will back a leftist. Like that's like mm-hmm. how the sort of weird red brigade stuff happened. But like right. the Yakuza, they're just fascist. Like there's no, yeah. That's good. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 great, and yeah, and so so Willerby goes to Tsukumo Prison, which is like this is this is the giant war criminal prison where the U.S. is holding all the war criminals, and he meets with Kishi's cellmate. Now, Kishi's cellmate is a guy named uh, Kodama Yoshio, who is he's like a giant yakuza boss. He's involved in the drug trade. He was also arrested for his plot, his part in the incredibly named League of Blood incident in 1932. Which is this giant like fascist plot to just assassinate a bunch of business owners, liberal politicians. And, you know, so he gets arrested for this is 1932 and he gets arrested and then he gets released. And then, you know, because, again, the Japanese Empire is just a giant cartel with like a state attached to it. He spends the entire war as Japan's like procurement guy, which means that he's running around like basically trading heroin for like tungsten, radium guns and like other stuff to fight the war. And so Willerby meets with this guy because he also, you know, he still has a bunch of Yakuza connections and he has like $175 million that he made from the war just like on him. And so Willerby cuts a deal with Kodama that's like, okay, I'll get you out of war crimes jail if you become an American intelligence asset. And Kodama's like, this is just all wins. And so he, Kodama like immediately, like basically reforms this like, I don't even, I guess you call it like the United Front of like crime and fascism. It's like it's it's this group. It's this association of like four hundred right wing like fascist and criminal organizations that Kodama just like runs. And you know he he's gonna spend the next thirty years basically just running Japanese politics from the from the shadows and be, being basically like the yakuza politics guy. Now, Kishi, how Kishi escaped the noose in nineteen forty eight is a subject of some debate. Like, so the U.S. doesn't charge him with the sex slavery crimes or, like, the, the forced labor crimes. What he's charged with is uh, violating, like, crimes against the peace, which is, like, starting an offensive war. But, like, even that, even if you just stick to that, like, he is the guiltiest man in human history. Like, he signed the declaration of war against the U.S. Like, oh, this cool. is the easiest conviction ever. Like, yeah, that and, really also ought to like, just as a rule, if you're like someone else who lives in that country and a guy is like, Hey, I want to continue being influential. You know me, I'm the guy who helped declare war in the U S you would yeah. think that like everyone would be like, well, we shouldn't be listening to anything you say. Yeah. you, you <laughs> That would didn't think. go very well. Uh, you, you would think, and you know, I, there, there, I, I've seen some stories that talk about like, some sort of like group of American businessmen interceded on his behalf. I don't know how reliable that is. The other explanation, and this this is true regardless of exactly what happened to Kishi, is that like the Tokyo War Crimes Tribunal just kind of gave up 
like trying to actually prosecute people because it was too much work and it was like the Cold War was happening and they just didn't care anymore. And so they do just like a bunch of absolutely half-assed proceedings. And, you know, they, they rush like Tojo to the gallows and a few people, other people they wanted to kill. And then everyone else just goes free. And so on Christmas Eve, 1948, Nobusuke Kishi, the man who enslaved Manchuria and ran the fascist war machine, walked out of prison. And Aww. because his brother, because his brother, future prime minister, uh, Ito Isaku, uh, Sato Isaku, is the cabinet chief secretary, Kishi is immediately driven to the prime minister's house. Come where, on. Good. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He's immediately driven to the prime minister's house where he trains his, pr- trains his prison oranges for a business suit and utters the immortal words, quote, well, I guess we're all Democrats now. Oh, God. Ew. Ew. Good. Yeah. Ew. Gross. Yeah. Not good. Bad. Not yep. cool or good. Ew. Uh, uh. And, and, and thus, and thus, Nobusuke Kishi, arch-fascist bureaucrat, entered the new world of electoral politics. Oh, God. That's You yeah. love Depressing. to see it. Yeah. yeah. It's like if Werner von Braun had run for Congress. Yep. I, yeah. As opposed to just running NASA. Yeah. And, you know, okay. So initially he, he starts putting together basically like the old fascist base. So like he gets some small business owners. He gets some like old school 1931, like fascist terrorists. Yeah. He gets, he gets his friends at Nissan are like, yeah, we loved this Manchuria shit. Like we're, we're giving him all of our money. And the, the other, you know, one of the, the other, like, very disturbing things about what happened after the war is that, so, you know, I talked to the last episode, Kishi, Kishi founds this thing called the Ministry of Munitions, which is just, like, the super, it, like, super, it, like, ministry that does all this planning stuff. And basically all of his old, like, fascist reform bureaucrat buddies who are in the Ministry of Munitions keep their jobs, and that whole, the ministry just turned into the Ministry of International Trade and Industry. And, you know, and MIDI is, that's called MIDI, MIDI is the core of Japanese post-war development. And it's, you know, it, it's all the old fascist shit that, that Kishi was doing before, except the difference is that it's, it's now being used to sort of, like, it, it's being used to, to, to fuel the American war machine in Korea and Vietnam instead of fueling the Japanese war machine also in Korea and Vietnam. So, yeah, this is, purging the fascists is going well. And when I say going well, I mean, in 1952, the U.S. just, like, gave up any semblance of trying to get rid of fascism and just unpurged yeah. everyone they'd purged. We pardoned a lot of them. We gave the others jobs. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, and the interesting thing with Kishi, so so the, the prime minister at the time is Yoshida Shigeru, who was like, this is not a good guy. Like, he was also a fascist for the war. But he tells the Americans, do not unpurge this guy. Like, do not unpurge Kishi. And it's extremely funny because, you know, as I mentioned last episode, like, Yoshida is, is like, is related to Kishi. Like, you remember that uncle that Kishi really liked who, like, raised him for a little bit? Yeah. For, uh, yeah. So that guy's daughter, like, is Yoshida's wife. Like, they know each other. Like, Kishi knows <laughs> this guy's family. And he's still just like, do not do this. Do not let this guy come back into politics. And the U.S. is just like, no, fuck it. Well, he's back. <laughs> Kishi's back. He'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, so, so Kishi. You Kishi may not creates. have heard of us. We're the United States. Yeah. We don't think things through. <laughs> Nope. Uh, well, I mean, you know, I would say this. This works out great for the U.S. Um, oh, good. Yeah, Hooray. yeah, it's, it's great. We're, yeah. And, you know, and K- Kishi, so Kishi runs this this electoral federation thing in 1952, and it just gets, like, destroyed. Like, because 1952, everyone's like, we don't like this guy. And I mean, he, has a, like, he has a lot of money. He has, like, hundreds of millions of yen, and so they get, like, whacked. And so Kishi starts, like, wheeling around the political scene going, okay, like, what can I latch on to? And, like, he he almost joins the right wing of the Socialist Party, which would have been the single weirdest pit of it I've ever seen in my life. But his brother convinced him to join this, the, the ruling sort of center-right liberal party instead. And, you know, like, this is Yoshida's party. And Yoshida, like, doesn't like Kishi, but the liberal party is also falling apart. So he's like, okay, we need Kishi's support. And so in 1953, Kishi joins the par, par, um, join, joins the uh, party and wins a seat in the Diet. Now, Yoshida, Yoshida's getting help from a lot of places in that election because 1953 is the first post-war election after the American occupation. And, and if you know anything about uh, elections that happened in, in fascist countries immediately after uh, the, the end of World War II, you know that Yoshida is being backed by the CIA. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, if you, you know, know anything that happened about elections that happened in these countries after World War II, you know that they didn't. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, yeah, this is interesting because it's like, I think this story is weirder yeah. than, than like the Italian stories. Like, you know, and, and this, I mean, you know, I guess we're, so, so the way this is funded is that at the beginning of the Korean War, like the U.S. needed a bunch of tungsten and American intelligence basically was like 
we need to keep the Socialist Party from literally ever taking power, like at all costs. And so they talked to Kodama, who's that, that Yakuza guy from before the war who Willerby had like broken out of jail. And they get him to smuggle a bunch of tungsten that had been left over from Japan's World War II stockpiles to the U.S. And then they like they pay him ten million dollars, and the CIA throws in two point eight million dollars of their own. And that money is like that 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 money is how the liberal the Liberal Party like wins nineteen fifty three elections. Cool. It's great. It's great. I mean, it's gonna get worse. That seems fine. I bet we did good stuff with all that tungsten. Yeah, we absolutely bombed the shit. I bet it it didn't get fired into multiple countries. Yep. Worth yep. of civilian. It's great. Okay. Anyway, great. we all, yeah. Now, yeah. So, so you know, Kishi, Kishi gets elected as part of the Liberal Party, but, you know, Kishi is a backstabbing son of a bitch, and he immediately turns on Yoshida and, like, starts denouncing him. Yoshida kicks him out of the party, but Kishi's able to get this, like, breakaway faction to join him, and he forms something called the Democratic Party. And through a lot of incredibly complicated electoral bullshit, like, they're able to oust Yoshida as prime minister, and then... Kishi has this giant plan to like reunify the two wings of the uh, the like re- basically reunify the two wings of the, the of the right. There's like his wing is Democratic Party and then there's the Liberal Party, and he has to reunify them. And the reason he wants to do this because he wants to control it. But the other reason that the reason it actually happens is that the Socialist Party had split in like 1948 or something. In 1955, they come back together, and that just like freaks all the conservatives out, and they're like, okay, okay, fine, like we'll. We'll, uh, we'll, 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 we'll join this new party. And the new party they form is called the Liberal Democratic Party. Now, this is important. The reason I spent so much time talking about this is that the LDP is the single most important party in Japanese politics. In, in the 66 years since they were founded in 1955, the LDP has been out of power for six. They were in power for the other Jesus 60. Christ. Yeah. This is, like, Japan, is, Japan is almost a one-party state. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. And, you know, and this is, this is Kishi's party. Like, he is the guy who single-handedly built this party. This party would not exist if Kishi had not gone into the Liberal Party, like, tore them apart, and then forced them to join his breakaway faction. And, you know, like, he's the reason why it exists. And this this party, like, this is the party that's the basis of the entire modern Japanese political system. Cool. And, yeah, it's great. Kishi, you know, he, he makes himself the general secretary of 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 the of the party and wins, you know, and in, in his first election, he wins an absolute majority in the diet for the LDP. But, you know, instead instead of becoming prime minister himself, he spends his time sort of biting, like sort of building up American support for him. Now, you know, we talked about this, the CDP, I mean the CIA had been heavily involved with the Liberal Party, and they've they've been heavily involved with the Liberal Democratic Party, like from the start. Um I mean this this, this is from a New York Times article. We financed them, said Alfred C. Lomer Jr., who ran the CIA's Far East operations from 1955 to 1958. We depended on the LDP for information. He said the CIA had used the payments both to support the party and recruit informants from it from its earliest days. And so the CIA, like, they're working with the LDP on, like, a candidate-by-candidate basis. Like, they, they, this, they, 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 like the, the CIA has their own electoral guys, and the electoral guys will, like, go to a candidate and go, we need you to win this seat, and they'll, like, hand, like personally hand them money. And so, you know, this is, this is, this is where you get the first of the Dolus brothers entering, entering the sort of political arena. Hell yeah. And then, this, and then, it, like, actually, so before, it's in 1955, you also get the second uh, Dolus brother, Secretary of State John Foster Dolus, who, mm-hmm. like... Basically, just straight up, yeah, like he just like like straight up. Nine fifty five is like the liberal, like he he's like tells the Japanese like the liberal party will unify with the Democratic Party, and like if you don't, like vague threat insert here. And so John Foster Dulles directly responsible in many ways. Both the Dulles brothers are responsible for Kishi like forming the most important political party in in, in the history of Japan. And all of this ends with Kishi becoming prime minister in 1957. And he he just immediately starts doing crime. So he, well, yeah, he, I mean, what else are you going to do? For sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like this Kishi's Kishi's like a, a Kishi's an incredible money launderer um from from his time in Manchuria, like you know, and and, and he he devises a scheme to like make some money off of the reparations payments that Japan had to pay to like the countries that it invaded after the war. And so he, he basically what he does is he negotiates to have these reparations payments like paid in Japanese goods and services. And so he buys those Japanese goods and services with state money from his own corporate political allies. And oh, then, good. Okay. yeah, he turns. Yeah, it's great. It's great. He's, he's, he's using the reparations payment to like pay off his like fascist buddies. And then he does the exact same thing to like the, the Japanese uh, uh, foreign aid like projects. It's also all just Kishi's like buddies paying themselves. 
And, you know, Kishi, he also, like, he develops this system of, like, so Kishi, like, constantly rotates through cabinets in the time that he's prime minister, like, constantly. And and the reason he's doing this is because uh, it's, it's basically a way to buy off his political allies. So, like, you know, you, you, you give an ally a cabinet minister, and then they get to loot a bunch of money, and then once they've taken enough money, you put in the next person, you put in the next person, you put in the next person, and, you know, he, he's also just, like, he's not only doing this with, with like, sort of politicians and like businessmen he's doing this with the yakuza so what if the the you know he, he makes like like a, a sworn yakuza guy uh like his ministry of agriculture and then there's the wonderfully named bambuko ono who kishi that is a like, cool name yeah it's amazing uh, and he he uh kishi makes this guy the secretary general of the liberal democratic party and he's and he stays in that position until uh, ono dies in 1965 and Ono is wonderful because he he gives a speech to 2000 Yakuza members in the 60s where like he just straight up says like, yeah, I'm Yakuza, but I do it by being a politician instead of being a criminal. <laughs> it's like it rules. And so and, you know, the, the other thing is happening is that Kishi's Kishi's still, you know, Kishi's connected to sort of Kodama and Kodama's like whole like Yakuza American intelligence network. And so when, when Lockheed Martin is trying to get uh, the Japanese Defense Force to buy they're like F-104 Starfighter over Northrop Grumman's uh, F-11F. Uh, their guy in Japan, who just happens to be an old G-2 intelligence guy, is like, I know a guy. And the guy that he knows is Kodama, who he pays like millions of dollars in bribes to. It's like They give him like a $600,000 commission on every plane they sell to get this sold to the, to the Japanese government. And so Kodama goes to his Yakuza connections in the government, which is, you know, his Yakuza buddy and newly mentioned LDP Secretary General Bamako Ono and his good friend Nobusuke Kishi. And Kishi buys the Starfighter and Lockheed just like keeps Kodama on retainer for like the next 30 years. And, you know, I, I want to give people a sense of like how embedded this like intelligence fascist Yakuza network is in the LDP. Because it's, it's not like this is a thing that's only Kishi and it goes away like... Like in, in the 1970s, Kodama gets hired again by Lockheed to do exactly the same thing. And he pays out like several million dollars in bribes. Like he bribes the prime minister again. And this time he gets caught. And, he, you know, he and he, he took so much money from like the Americans and Brazilian people that like he managed to piss off both the far right and the far left. And so, you know, they, they start protesting his house. And on, on, on May 23rd, 1976... A fascist porn star named Misua Maneo, who'd been a huge Kodama fanboy, rents Boy, a that plane. shouldn't exist. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's great. It's going to get better. Uh, yeah, so he rents a plane. He, like, circles Kodama's house, like, shouting pro-imperial slogans into a microphone. And then, like, he screams bonsai and flies the plane into his house. Like, this is, this is in 1976. Kodama's that's house is kind of rad, tight. to be honest. That's, that's, <laughs> you know what? You gotta give it up sometimes. That uh, critical support, very well, you know, cool, Un- undeniably though, rad move. But Kodama lives through this. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, but a does guy, he really? a guy kamikaze in his house <laughs> in nineteen seventies, like a fascist porn star kamikaze his house, and he lived through it. It's just, <laughs> yeah. It's I mean, th- th- that is basically the end of him in politics. But it's like, it's it's great. It's great. Um, yeah, that's you know, that is a flex. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a this is yeah, this is a this is a profoundly fascist party with profoundly fascist people in it. And yeah, so yeah, so so back back in 1957, uh Kishi's dealing with like his first real political scandal, which is that a uh on January 30th, 1957, a US soldier named Gerard like basically just for fun shot an empty grenade cartridge out of a, a grenade launcher at a Japanese woman who was, like, mm. collecting shell casings and military-based cell for scrap, and she dies. Oh, God. Yeah, and, you know, and this this pisses off everyone in Japan. And, you know, I mean, especially, it's, like, she's it's revealed later she's a mother of six, and everyone just loses their mind. And Eisen, and, you know, and, and there's a huge fight over it, and Eisenhower wants to, like, try him in an American court, and Eisenhower, like, is forced, to, is, like, literally forced to, like, try him in a, in a Japanese court because... Like if, if if he tried to do it in an American court, like people would have literally like brick by brick dismantled every American like American military base on the in the islands. And so Kishi's main concern here is that this is gonna like fuck up his political stuff. 
And so he 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 develops this plan, and he, where where he he's going to go to to Eisenhower and make a bunch of demands about this U.S. Japan security treaty. Mm-hmm. And this thing, this is like one of the other things that's been causing protests is that this treaty is like signed in 1951 originally, and it's it's really weird. Like it lets the U.S. like send troops into Japan to put down quote internal riots or disturbances, oh. which is. Yeah, there's and the other like in terms of like a peace treaty, and the other thing is it lets them in, it lets them in, it lets the U.S. involve itself in civil wars, and like you know a bunch of Japanese commentators point out like there's like no precedent for this, like there's never been a peace treaty that like between two free nations that allows this. So you know, and you get these massive protests, like people, people, people like build giant wooden fortresses and man them for like forty years in the middle of American artillery ranges, like. There's all of this stuff, and you know Eisenhower meets with Kishi and is like, and Kishi just goes like, "Like you have to revise this tree," and Eisenhower is like, "Okay." And so Kishi like stakes basically his entire political career on 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 revising this this U.S. Japan Security Treaty, which becomes known as ONPO. And you know, like it really looks like he's going to like pull this off. He's going to get treaty revisions. He's going to be incredibly popular. Until Kishi just like. Kishi just Kishi just got like that extra bit too fascist, and the extra bit too fascist was he he tried to pass something called the Police Duties Execution Law, Ooh, which that is like sound good. That yeah, like is, that's that just already seems like we're on a bad start. Yeah, yeah, like like this this is a police law so fascist that like his other fascist hardliner buddies like in the LDP are like we won't let you pass this because you'll get you'll get eaten alive. Yeah, it basically like what it, what it does is it it lets it lets the Japanese it would have let the Japanese police do warrantless warrantless searches and seizures. Oh, cool. Yeah, and you know, and everyone's like, okay, so this is just like this is this this is this is pre war fascism again. So you know, mm-hmm. and you know, I, you know, and I think I think he thinks he can get away with this because he's done a bunch of other like fascist culture war mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Like he 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 does this thing. Where he he makes everyone take these like moral lessons and like all the students take like moral lessons and has these like evaluations of teachers because he thinks there's like they're too communist and wants fascist propaganda like taught instead. And, you know, I want to make it clear, there is no parallel between this and anything that is happening in the U.S. right now. Uh, Go back to sleep. There's nothing here. Everything's going to be fine. It's like. Yeah, no, no, no one in the U.S. is raging a bunch of political campaigns about what teachers are teaching in school because they think it's too leftist. No, that has not <sighs> happened. But you know what does happen in the U.S.? Products and services? Uh, that's right. That's, that's, God willing, the only thing that will ever happen in this country in the future going forward. Because when you get right down to it, what else do we need but products, services, and of course, the blissful, gooey, moist, sticky, what? cum-drenched, product of products and services what oh okay well let's just go to ads gosh happy pride from tomboy x celebrating pride and the queer community all year queer founded queer run and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear swimwear and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. Big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. My favorite spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. Wow, how have I been living like this? It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless, when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Wow, how have I been affording this? It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. Say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills, and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. 
All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash behind. That's mintmobile.com slash behind. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash behind. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Ah, we're back. Okay, Chris, please continue. Yes, Chris, please continue. (laughs) Sophie's angry at me because she doesn't like it when I say cum drenched while leading into an ad. Not at all. I don't think anybody enjoyed that. And if you did, please don't tell us. (laughs) I think our sponsors enjoy it, Sophie. Oh, no. All right. I mean, it could be Nissan. We we, we could, could be, be Nissan. Nissan this episode. That's fair. Yeah, the, it could the, be the, Nissan. I take yeah, it back. absolutely it could, inappropriate. Mm-hmm. So Kishi, yeah. So Kishi, Kishi's gotten a bit too fascist, and he also he does this thing where so so the, the way that like the norms of the Japanese political system worked was that like you're supposed to be, before you pass a bill, you're supposed to talk to the opposition about it, and then there's supposed to be a debate. And Kishi's just like, yeah, fuck that. Like he just like snap introduces it without like with he basically he takes a snap vote to extend the diet and just like snap forces everyone to try to vote on it and this is like maximally bad politics by kishi like you know it's, it's like the the norms of democracy are like actually important in japan and they're important because this is this is a country that was a decade and a half ago literally fascist and kishi's trying to pass this bill that is bring fascism back and so you know everyone gets pissed off like three of his cabinet ministers resign and this also pulls the whole left together and they form something called the people's council and they start they start a general strike shop the bill and kishi and you know, and they win and kishi forced to pull the bill and it you know it, it makes him way weaker politically and when, when he tries to get his security like up on po the security treaty ratified by by the diet those same groups form this even larger group called the people's council for preventing revision to security treaty and this thing is massive it's got a it's 134 different organizations in it um you know the, the biggest of them are the japanese socialist party the the general council of trade unions in japan who are a very powerful trade union uh federation uh and then there's zengokuren which is the 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 japanese radical student movement who we will we will talk more about in a little bit um yeah, the Japanese Communist Party is also sort of involved in this, but like they don't want to let them join for political reasons initially. But you know, the other thing about this, like, it's not just like leftist orgs. Like Japan's Professional Association Association for like Thespians is in this coalition. <laughs> like, yeah, there's you know, there, there's a lot of people who are like, there's a lot of groups that are like not inherently political groups that are in this. And interesting, yeah, yeah, and and it's you know, this, this is basically this is the product of like all the stuff the left has been doing for the past basically since the war like ended. And so, you know, and, and these guys point out that, you know, so Kishi is able to get the clause out about the U.S. interfering to suppress riots and civil wars, but there's still a clause that says the U.S. is allowed to send troops to deal with, quote, all threats to Japan's peace and security, which, mm. you know, yeah. <laughs> threats to peace and security, like people doing politics we don't agree with. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This and is so, going to end well. Sure. <laughs> I, yeah, it's... Yeah, so, so the People's Council starts staging these, like, enormous protests. And, you know, they go on for a few months. It doesn't really do anything until Zengokuren, who is the, the, the radical student organization, goes rogue. And the important Hell thing about yeah. Zengokuren is that, like, so A, they're not directly tied to any of the parties, and B, they are, like, way more willing to fight the cops than anyone else here. Mm-hmm. And so the People's Council is planning this, like, massive series of protests. But Zengokuren looks at, like, you know, th- this is, like, their eighth giant protest. And Zengokuren goes, okay, well, those did nothing. So this one's not going to do anything either. So they form a plan to storm the Japanese parliament building. And, you know, the People's Council, like, finds out about this plan. And they're, they're like, trying to stop Zengokuren from doing it. But Zengokuren, like, negotiates with, like, the, the Tokyo's, like, trade unions. And they're able to just do it anyways. 
So, you know, 500,000 people across Japan and like 80,000 people in Tokyo show up to this protest. And like in the middle of the march, Sagoku Run just like charges the police barricades, beats back the police and like forces their way into the diet and takes control of it. And, you know, they hold it for like a day and they leave. And people, people do not like this. Like the, the you know, like the, even like the Socialist and Japanese part, Communist Party like condemned them for it. And, you know, public opinion turns against them and there's this whole like disaster and you know, and Sagokuran gets like a lot of shit for this because you know, like they they stormed the, they stormed the Diet Building, but you know, it, it's worth remembering that like everyone else, like everything else, the more moderate faction was doing just like didn't work. And what Sagokuran did here was drew an enormous amount of attention to the movement. And this is it, and you know, that, that's actually that's a vital part of like what happens next. And what happens next is that the Socialist Party, the Socialist Party does like, I think like the funniest set of political tricks i've ever seen in my life where you know like they, they have they have this whole thing they want to do where they're trying to just like they're trying to delay the vote because i think if they delay the vote fast enough like long enough kishi will just like get like kicked out of the prime ministership by his own party and you know and this they, they're able to drag this on until like uh 19 like 1960 and kishi like you know he, like kishi's own party won't let him do a floor vote on the bill because like they're mad at him, and so on. on April fourth, nineteen seventy, he creates the Onpo Special Redif- uh, Special Measures Committee from loyal LDP members, which was called the uh, nicknamed the Onpo Kamikaze Squad. Which is, you know, th- this is his attempt to try to figure out like how to like get through all of like get 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 this like treaty through before his support collapses and like the Diet session ends. And like literally the day the session is going to end and he's going to lose the opportunity to force his vote through, uh. He he starts doing his plan, and this, the Socialist Party like knows something's bad is going to happen, so they hire a bunch of like quote unquote secretaries, who they 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 hire them and they bring them in the building and they they barricade the office of the, the Speaker of the Lower House to to keep him from leaving his office. Which is something that like I wish like our politicians were like it's like man our pol- like our politics is like our parliament's so boring like nobody nobody's barricading the Speaker of the House like in their office yeah it's very, it's very sad you know and and this and the speaker like tells them to move and they don't and so he calls the police to remove the socialist diet members by force and this is a huge deal um like this is this is the second time ever that the police have ever entered the diet chamber and it's the only time before or since they've ever like physically removed diet members and so you know this whole thing's being 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 like broadcast on live tv and there's there's the police just like dragging these like parliament members out of this building like kicking and screaming and like you know and and they 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 catch like the speaker like fighting his way to the rostrum and he calls a vote to extend the diet session like two minutes before it's supposed to end and like he wins the vote and there's the camera the camera is like it it show it, it pans and it shows all the ldp like ministers clapping and then it, it it pans and it pans to the other half of the diet and the other half of the diet every single person in the opposition is gone there's none of them are there and because the opposition is completely gone uh, Kishi makes this like unexpected snap vote to force a treaty through with no debate, and you know, and because of some like legal bullshit, he's able to figure out a way that like the treaty will still go into effect even without the upper house approving it, uh, as long as they just stay in session. And the Japanese public like just they're unbelievably pissed off. Like e- even the pro treaty people look at like the ex fascist guy like removing the <laughs> opposition party by force and holding a previously unknown mm, snap vote with right. no debate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like, 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 like they, they watch like all of this is just on TV and it like, like it sets off three general strikes. And, you know, and, and at this point, the, the protests basically become an anti-Kishi movement and like everyone in the country, like including like the conservative newspapers are calling for him to resign. Like, the, biz- the business leaders turn on him to the point where like they start funding Zengokuren, like they start funding the, the, the communist student movement through like weird organized crime people because they're like Zengokuren's mainstream faction is anti is anti Kishi. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah that's, that's how like wild this and, you know, and, and like the other thing is like other, like ordinary people just like start showing up to protests. And so like like 30 million people, which is like a third of the total population shows up to like an anti-Kishi protest between 1959 and 1960. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's like it it pisses off everyone. And this is this is like this is the defining event of like the sort of like the immediate post-war generation. Like this is the thing they remember um like so we'll, we'll get to this in a little bit but uh, Shinzo Abe who was the longest serving Japanese prime minister, he he mm-hmm. came out of office like last year. So he's Kishi's grandson and he talks about Good like how, yeah, he learned politics like like while he was on Kishi's knee and Kishi was telling him about what was happening in the streets. Oh, I yeah, bet that was fine. 
Yeah, it's yeah, it's not great. And you know, this part though is extremely funny. Like, there's there's a great story about just like this kindergartner like on the street who asked the famous political scientist Ishida Takashi, "Why doesn't Kishi just resign already?" <laughs> like he, he's Good lost question. the kindergartners. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and the other thing, the other thing that's happening with this is that so Eisenhower is supposed to show up in Japan. Um, on the 19th, so he can be there for, for the 21st, which is supposed to, he's coming to this giant visit that's it's supposed to be like the 100th anniversary of diplomatic relations between the US and, and Japan. And this is also the, the treaty goes into effect. And so, you know, you, on, on June 4th, there's the largest general strike in Japanese history. And then on the 15th, there's another general strike that has 6.4 million people in it. And, and at this strike, you know, a, a bunch of like street performers, artists, and writers like go to like give a petition to the to the to parliament, and they all get attacked by this like giant fascist mob with like wooden poles with nails in them, and the mob's just chanting, like, "We will kill you and beat and we and beat them dead." Jesus, and, yeah, and, like eighty people are injured, and again, like the, these are like these are like like theater actresses, yeah, classic fascism yeah, stuff, yeah. Yep. <laughs> It's like ah yes we 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 will beat these theater actresses and poets and this 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 will yeah. make us strong yeah that, that scans yeah and so eleven people are injured and eleven and so eighty people are injured and eleven people get hospitalized and meanwhile Zengokuren is like we're gonna storm the diet again and you know seems the, like it the, worked the last time <laughs> yeah well but the funny thing is this time it does work and it works because so they fight the cops for a long time and it's kind of a stalemate and the cops do this counterattack but in this counterattack they they trample a, a Tokyo University undergrad named Kambamichiko to death Oof. and oh. that yeah that causes the crowd to just like go wild because you know yeah. the police just trampled a child to death yeah yeah and so 4000 students storm the diet and they hold it until 1am in these like running street battles with the police and this Good is board. where like like everyone turns on kishi yeah. Like, you know, the combination of the cops like murdered a girl and they beat up a bunch of theater actresses is just mm-hmm. too much. And at this point, it becomes clear that, you know, if Eisenhower comes to Japan, they won't be able to keep him safe right. because they can't hold the streets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that could be a little bit of a faux pas for Japan. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and, and you know, and Kishi, Kishi like really wants this to happen because like Eisen, the Eisenhower visit in the treaty, like this is this is like all this is like this is this is everything he's been working for since he became prime minister. And so he has this plan to like mobilize the self-defense forces, which is what the Japanese army is called. Yeah, because euphemisms. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, but he, so he tries to like he has this plan to like mobilize an entire division of like the army and march them through the streets to clear the streets and get Eisenhower in. And even like his like his his defense chief and the head of the national police is like you can't do this like there will literally be an uprising and so Kishi's like Kishi undeterred is like okay so I'm gonna I'm gonna go to my yakuza contacts and so he goes to Kodama and he has he has this plan to get eighteen thousand like yakuza hardliners like ten thousand guys who work for the yakuza like street vendors and ten thousand like veterans right we cult members to clear the streets. And like he has this, he's gonna give them like the government's gonna give them like trucks and like food and first aid teams and like command posts and two point three million dollars and like airplanes and helicopters. Oh, that couldn't end badly. Sure. Yeah. Well, and, and, and even his cabinet is like Kishi, you can't do this. Like you're gonna start a civil war again. And a lot of fascists <laughs> being like, boy, seems like that's too much fascism. Yeah, yeah. Kishi, Kishi is like. Yeah, K- Kishi is the fascist that other fascists are like, whoa, hey now, like, this is too much fascism. But and, you, know you know what's not too much fascism, Chris? Unless it's a Black Rifle coffee ad, then... Unless it's another Black Rifle coffee ad, or an ExxonMobil ad, or um, one of those weird Christian cult ads we've been kind of getting. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, those or like, an those ad, or there things. was a, liter- yeah. a literal ad for the California Highway Patrol. Yeah, definitely Fuck an off. ad for chips. That's yeah. fascism. Too. So I don't know. There could be fascism, <laughs> lost, but it's I've, not. I've, I've lost the point that I was we trying to make here. We don't endorse the fascist ads, but it's time for ads, and we're sorry if it's something random we didn't select, and it's horrifying. We, we do apologize. Uh, we live in an engine of pain. Mm-hmm. Here's some ads. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. 
Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S., That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Ah, good stuff. Well, we had some ads. All right, I want to hear how this all gets resolved now that this guy's been like, what if we uh what if we what if we what if we twist that fascism dial up to 11 and all of his friends were like that that kind of seems a little bit high cuz it seems like we've pissed everybody off with all of the violence we've been doing. Yeah. Yeah, it, you know, it, it ends I'm not going to say well, but you know, Kishi eventually backs down and is just like, okay, Eisenhower, like if you come we can't protect you. And so Eisenhower cancels his visit, and on, on the day of the treaty supposed to be ratified, 300,000 people show up around the Diet in Tokyo, but, you know, they, they can't actually stop the treaty from being ratified. And so, you know, because the treaty is being ratified automatically, there's nothing they can do. And so they sort of, they stand there, and, you know, it's this very sort of grim scene. Everyone's wearing black armbands and, like, black bandanas mm-hmm. to celebrate, you know, to sort of mourn, like, the death of a protester. But, you know, there's nothing they can really do. Like, the, the next day, there's this general strike, and there's, like, some more protests the day after. But Kishi, Kishi has the final document he needs to sign, like, smuggled to him in a candy box so it couldn't be stolen by protesters. Nice. Yeah, and so he signs it, and, you know, like, the next month on, on J- July 15th, Kishi is forced to resign, and the movement just collapses. So, Ooh. you know, it, it's, it's, it's a mixed bag. Like, on the one hand, they got Kishi. This, this is this they is did. the only consequence that Kishi is ever going to face in his entire life. That's, that's not quite true. It's one of exactly two consequences he's ever going to face in his entire life, and he survives both of them. And but you know, on the other hand, like this treaty still went through, and you know, the the, the sort of left that had built up to stop this becomes incredibly demoralized, and they spr- and they splinter and fragment, and yeah. And Kishi, you know, okay, so this is the end of Kishi's like mainstream political career. Um. But you know he he doesn't go away. He still he sort of stays around behind the scenes as this like it's kind of like this fixer and you know and he he does he does a few more things at the end of the war. At the end of the war. Yeah, he sounds like he's kind of Nixoned 
a little bit where he's yeah. he's he's got some he's got some soft influence, but also nobody wants to really be seen in public with the guy. Yeah. Well, OK, I, I will say that there are a few people who do want to be be uh, seen in public with this guy. And the, the biggest of those is called the Unification Church, which is this like. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. fanatically anti-communist religious. Great. Cult. Yeah. That, that allegedly yeah. kidnaps and brainwashes children. Allegedly. Allegedly. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And Kishi like. So Kishi. Kishi is the guy responsible for bringing these people like into the LDP's base and like like the, so the head of the head of this guy of uh, this party is a guy named Moon and he like yeah. so he gets evicted like convicted of tax fraud in like the nineties or the eighties and nineties but you know there, there's a thing in Japan by by the in the he gets convicted in the U S and then there's a thing in, in Japanese law where like if you've been convicted of a crime you can't enter the country now mm-hmm. so this should have stopped Moon from coming to Japan. But like the vice president, you know, even like even even in the 90s, like the Moonies are are still like so firmly embedded in the LDP that even in the 90s, like like the vice the vice president of Japan personally intercedes and allows them to enter the country illegally. And it's yeah, it's great. This is this this is what Kishi's doing in his sort of like last days. Yeah. And, you know, one other thing, one very weird thing happens at the very end of this, which is that. The day before he resigns, Kishi's at this like dinner gala and this dude stabs him like six times. And then he gives this extremely weird quote that was like, like it's something it's something like, well, yeah, I stabbed him six times. But if I was trying to kill him, he would be dead. And there's there's all this and nobody actually knows why he tried to assassinate Kishi or didn't try to assassinate him and said just stabbed him six times. Um, There's a lot of theories like the guy was like an old fascist from like the thirties. He was like 60 at this point. Mm-hmm. And you know, his stated response was that he talked to the family of like the, the, the girl that had died. But like, that doesn't make any sense. Cause like this guy's a fascist. And there's yeah. another theory that like, this is a Yakuza hit because, um, Bamako Ono, like was pissed off that Kishi wouldn't help him be prime minister. So he was just like, okay, I'll, I'll send a guy to stab you. I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot of very weird theories about this, but, you know, it's sort of unclear what happens. And, you know, Kishi, Kishi survives this. And, you know, even even though the LDP, like, is now Kishi-less, quote-unquote, the structures and political organizations that he put in place are, you know, they're they're still here to this day. And that brings us to Kishi's grandson, Shinzo Abe, the longest serving prime minister in Japanese history who uh, finally left office last year because of an ulcer in his rectum, (laughs) (laughs) which, you know. (laughs) Critical support to his rectum ulcer. Oh, man. Yep. Oh, gosh. It's not good when I laugh in unison with Robert. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sometimes good things happen to good people. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Now, Abe, Abe is a men, m- member of a group called Nippon Kagai, which is a fascist group that, according to a U.S. congressional report, believes that, quote, Japan should be applauded for liberating much of East Asia from Western colonial powers, that the 1946 and 1948 Tokyo war crimes tribunals were illegitimate, and that the killings by Japanese troops in the 1937 Nanjing massacre were exaggerated or fabricated. And they also openly call for a restoration of the monarchy and institution of Shinto as a state religion. And and Abe himself has like repeatedly stated that Japanese military sex slaves he, he uses the term comfort women because you know the euphemisms help him do denialism, but he sure. you know, he he like has said on multiple occasions that these sex slaves were never forced to be raped. Oh good. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's okay. great. Cool dude. Yeah, no, yeah. bad guy. Sweet. Yeah, and you know, and he's also he's also a big champion. He's like the like the champion of like so one of Kishi's like other signature issue when he was a politician was rearming Japan because he was pissed off that like Japan couldn't still be a like and when I say rearming I don't mean defense force like he wants like he wants Japan to he be wants able to Japan war to, again. to have an effective military that can invade shit yeah 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 he wants he wants, he wants to be an empire again and yeah. Abe's also like a giant uh, rearmament person sure and ABR you know, baby. And, yeah, and he also he visits something called there's there's, there's a shrine called the uh, Yasukune Shrine, which is this shrine to like soldiers who died serving the Japanese emperor. And you know this the shrine has this this thing called the Book of Souls, which like has the name of like everyone who died like serving for the emperor or whatever. It's like two million people on it. Now in mm-hmm. this book are 
1,068 people who were convicted of war crimes, and also the 14 Class A war criminals who died and were executed, who are also considered martyrs. And this includes mm. Tojo. And it's, it's, yeah. And, you know, now for, for very obvious reasons, uh, China and Korea, and both the Koreas, this is like the, one of the few things both Koreas like really completely agree on, is that they get absolutely pissed off about prime ministers visiting their shrine visiting, you know, a shrine to the people who enslaved, raped, and murdered tens of billions of their people. But, you know, Abe did it anyways, because modern Japan is Kishi's Japan. Despite the protests, despite the strikes, despite a third of the country taking to the streets, he won. The only thing he didn't get was rearmament, and so, you know, the mass rapes in Korea and Vietnam will be left to the Americans, not the Japanese. But we all now live in the world that Kishi created. Cool. Yeah. All right. Robert, what a happy promised, story you told us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, you know, I promised at the, at, at, at the beginning of this episode that at the end of the episodes, I, I would ask you, is, is this the worst rehabilitation of a fascist war criminal? In terms of like the actual amount of power he got? Probably. Yeah. I think, I think probably. Um, cause yeah, you've got like guys like Von Braun, but like Von Braun was bad, and it's fucked up that he got rehabilitated. But the thing he went on to do wasn't bad. It was putting, yeah. helping to put a man on the moon, which is, like, fine. Um, and you've got, I don't know, there was that Nazi general who the CIA used to set up a spy ring. And he did some fucked up stuff, but I think yeah. had uh, certainly had less geopolitical influence than yep. this guy. Yeah, I think this this is definitely, I'm <laughs> racking my brain, but I'm not coming up yep. with, with one to top it. Yeah. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. Uh, should have started this episode with what's rehabilitating my fascists. That would have been better. Mm, that would have been <laughs> a mm-hmm. probe. Mm-hmm. And it turns out the what is my government. Yeah. You love yeah. to see it. You love yeah. to see it. Well, Chris... Is that is that the entire thing? Yeah. What do you wow. what do you what do you Chris? I don't do feel you, good about that, to be honest. What do you not a good tale? What do you, don't eat what do you what do you what do you what do you think Nicolas Cage's hair smells like? Nicolas Cage's hair? Yeah, what I do you think like his hair smells like? I've been looking at a picture of him for the last three hours. <laughs> that, that explains this, this, so much. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um Chris, you have, I have, I have a guess. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it smells very good. Cause like, you know, isn't, isn't Nicholas Cage like constantly, okay. well, cause isn't he constantly like doing bad movies because he needs money for just like, isn't it like an elephant habit? He's like some weird. No, thing he's, he's, he's addicted on. to buying dinosaur skulls. Dinosaurs. Yeah. Ah, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think his hair smells like nail polish remover with a hint of poop. See, I was going to say fake apples. But like the the specific fake apple smell that they put in like agricultural products, like medicine for horses, like ivermectin fake apples. That's fair. Hint of poop. I don't know. We'll see. If you've smelled Nicolas Cage, hit us up on social media. Let us know. Tell us who's right. One of us has to be. I think you might be right, though. I think it might smell like that really bad apple flavored like alcohol. Also. Yeah, a little bit of that. A little bit of that. Hint of poop. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Someone out there has smelled Nicolas Cage's hair and they'll yeah. let us know who's right. Let us know. Let us know. That's mm-hmm. really, really what we're That way we're not just, Robert, we're not just. Robert, why staring at a photo of Nicolas Cage for three hours? Let's get back to that. <laughs> because it was, it's been a long day, Sophie. Everybody needs something yeah, to, you know, I know. I perk them up. Six hours before The halfway point. <laughs> Look, at the midway point of the day, some people have another cup of coffee. Some people stare wordlessly at a photograph of Nicolas Cage while I mean, their friend talks about war crimes fine. for three hours. Chris, where can people yeah. follow you? Uh, yeah, you, you you can follow me being extremely depressed about this at itmechr3 on Twitter. Yeah. Um, if you want to read a slightly less depressing thing that I wrote, um, I, I wrote a piece for Laosan that's like about Tiananmen, which... I swear is less depressing than this, if only sort of marginally. Um, yeah. And yeah, I also I, I, I work I work for Cool Zone now, so I'm on mm-hmm. Yeah, expect I'm a on, lot of on, Chris a lot of other face. things. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You can't get rid of me now. Nope. So have a good day and remember, tell us what Nicolas Cage's hair smells like. Yep. 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 
Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.